But it's great to be back. I was uh, um, gone this past week. I was, I was traveling in Japan with my father, and he, he wanted to make a pilgrimage back to his home village, and um, this is where, where I was at for a little over a week. And we're in a place called Ichi Nono in the prefecture of uh, Wakayama. Basically, it's like a t- village up in the mountains. Okay, this is not like Tokyo or Osaka. This is in the village. And it was phenomenal. And I, could, I saw my dad hang out with his classmates and that from, from elementary school. And it, it was really neat to be there. And uh, God opened up an opportunity to preach uh, Christ at a church, at Katsura Christian Baptist Church. And, and God, it was so easy. Like The Lord just opened up opportunities to talk about Christ in just everyday conversations with people over lunch, over dinner. And it just kind of reminded me how we're to live anyway. You know, whether we get a formal opportunity to preach or just, just everyday interactions. And the Lord was so gracious. But today's message is, is a message of encouragement. And perhaps you may be coming to church today looking for a word of encouragement. And out of Hebrews chapter 12, we get encouragement. And the theme of the day is on finishing all right, and finishing is critical. And we have uh, tales of the tor- tortoise and the hare, where how the hare or the rabbit gets off to a great start, but doesn't actually finish the race, but the tortoise just keeps trugging along and finishes the race. We know sports teams that have started the season fast or a game fast, but didn't quite finish strong. We understand they finished poorly. So... My Dodgers, we do have a chance still, okay? And just know that I've seen crazier things happen. I'm holding out hope, and three games easily could be done. It was just one game at a time, right? One pitch at a time. But, but one of the great lessons in sports is, is, is to finish well, learning to finish well. To any of us who played any sports, to coach any sports, I mean, that, that's the key. If you had a choice of do you want to, want to be a great starter or finisher, you always want to be the great finisher, And that's where oftentimes the games are won in the finish. We also know tragic examples in real life where uh, people who started out fast who finished poorly. Tragic examples uh, in the Christian life as well. Currently, as a church family, we are finishing up, wrapping up our all-church study. And I I trust it's been edifying and, 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 uh, and, and such a blessing to all of us. And our pastor, our very own pastor, Pastor Corey, you could bet he is focused on finishing this leg of his life really strong. Okay, so finish is a big uh, thing of our church and in our Christian life. To finish well, we must have the proper focus. If we're distracted, we will not finish well. So let me just pray before we get into the sermon. Father, I thank you for this word that you have for us, a word of encouragement out of Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you, Lord, that you direct us to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you that you make the emphasis to finish the race that you have set for us, not just to be in it, but to finish it and finish it with endurance, with strength. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray you are exalted. I pray the people will come to know you more through the preaching of your word. So Spirit of God, I pray, Lord, that you open our hearts to receive this word of encouragement so we gain greater confidence in you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So today we're going to be at Hebrews chapter 12. So I hope you brought your Bibles. Please open to Hebrews chapter 12. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Uh, the author, some people think that Paul, the apostle Paul, wrote Hebrews. But many scholars believe the author is unknown. But we do know this, that the Holy Spirit inspired the human author to write Hebrews. And it was written to Jewish Christians who lived outside of Israel. And what was going on is that the, these Jewish Christians were going, undergoing persecution. They were banished from the Christian or, or their Jewish synagogues and temples and the, and the festivals. They lost their Jewish way of living. It's very much how in John chapter 9, how we, how, we, how we walk through John 9, where the blind man was kicked out of the synagogue system because he proclaimed Christ as his Lord. Okay, so this is a very difficult thing. And the purpose of Hebrews is to show Christ's supremacy and sufficiency and to encourage the Jewish Christians to finish really well. It's about finishing. This is the theme of the day. So let's rise, if you can, and we're going to be reading out of Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 11. This is God's word. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For considering him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 4, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he, whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons." Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this word of encouragement. Father, thank you that you love us so much that you would discipline us, you will train us to finish the race well. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. So you might be sitting there, Rocky, I thought you said this is a, a, a word of encouragement. We're talking about discipline here being disciplined by God, but well, God disciplines his children, all right? Discipline comes just like it did for the Jew, Jewish Christians in the form of trials. And 
the Jews were thinking about going back to their Judaism, back to their old system. They're thinking about getting out of the race and tapping out. They said, this is too much. We've given up too much. We lost our Jewish way of life. Our friends have disowned us. Our families have disowned us. It's time to go back. It's been hard. There was a massive cost for the Jewish Christians to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And they're wavering. So the author of Hebrews is looking to encourage the Jewish Christians. He's hang in there. Verse 7 says, endure the discipline. Hang in there. Stay in the race. He's looking to encourage them. Now, let's just be clear what discipline is here. What are we talking about in here? There's punishment and there's discipline. All right. Punishment deals with retribution. Discipline deals with training. All right. Punishment is condemning. Discipline is correcting. So as we know, Christ, for those of us who trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior, he took on the punishment for our sins. There is no more condemnation. But the Father loves us so much that he'll keep training us, he'll keep correcting us, he'll keep disciplining us, preparing us to finish the race well. And like a loving father, the Bible calls God. He will discipline us. He'll train us. And here's a word of encouragement if you're going through a trial right now. Okay? If you're going through a trial right now, discipline means that he loves you. That you're his son or his daughter. That's a word of encouragement. The Bible says if you have zero discipline going on in your life, and you can't think of a time when you've been disciplined, you're not a legitimate son or daughter. So there's a word of encouragement. If you're going through a trial right now, just like the Jews were in this time, you are a son or daughter because God the Father loves you as a loving father. And you're not alone in this. God is with you. Just like any good father, earthly father, would come alongside their children who they've disciplined, God the Father is with you. Now it says, it makes a greater to lesser than argument saying like your earthly fathers disciplined you and you respected them. You know, and uh, I, I, I know we, many of us were blessed by Pastor Corey and Auntie Rain's parenting conference this week and yesterday. And I just kind of think about a story. When I was growing up, I don't even know if I was even in junior high school, all right? For whatever reason, I came home mad after school in Arcadia, and something happened, and I threw my backpack through the window, broke, glass was everywhere. And all my, my mom didn't say much. She goes, wait till Papa gets home. Right? I don't know if you guys can relate. Timeouts weren't very big in our home. You know, we weren't into that. Okay, we, this, this, There was some disciplining going on in our house. And honestly, that time, I knew my dad was working hard in the hot sun. He's going to be coming home in the truck tired, hungry. And I'm thinking, I hope it, the day went well for him. Okay, Because that thought, your, your imagination runs wild. What's going to happen when he gets home? Okay, in some ways that was worse than what happened when he got home. But he disciplined me. He would discipline me just to correct me because he can't, he can't be throwing backpacks through the window. We, get, we understand this. And so our father would discipline us. And I do respect my father for doing these things. I am grateful for him taking the time to do these things. And here's a word of encouragement for dads in here. Okay, God has called you and me, all of us, charged us to discipline our children. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes the rod gets involved. 
And sometimes I get it. We don't do it perfectly. Maybe our countenance isn't right. Maybe we're angry or frustrated. Things to get done in an improper way. I get that. I'm, I've been there. But just a word of encouragement. Let's just stay with it. We've got to stay the course. This is what we've been called to do. Discipline, train, correct our children. And if we do mess up, repent. Say, you know what? What you did wasn't right, but how I responded wasn't right. Repent to your children. There's value in that. But why do, does the Father discipline us? Why does he discipline us? Verse 10 of, of chapter 12 of Hebrews says that he disciplines us to grow our holiness. All right. Another reason in verse 11, he disciplines us for training. All right. This is training so we could finish that race that God has set for us really well with strength and endurance. There's training involved. The Father loves us so much that he wants us to be strong and trained up spiritually so that we could run with endurance, with power and stamina. As you know, and as I've grown into my role as a pastor, I've been studying various topics. And one of the topics I've been studying is church discipline. All right. And as a pastor, these are the things that why we would administer church discipline to grow our congregation in holiness and train the church to run the race well, to finish the race. No different as a father would for their children. So in essence, discipline is there so that we will be trained up to finish the race of life well. Now let's go to the top of chapter 12 here. Okay, let's, let's get to chapter 12 of Hebrews and it says, therefore. So anytime we study the Bible, and we should all be studying the Bible on our own, we should understand and just figure out why is therefore, therefore. Why is it there? And all you got to do is go backwards some to get incredible context. In chapter 11, okay, it talks about this great cloud of faith. It says this in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, this isn't as, as much as if there's like a stadium full of people looking at us. It's more there's a, a, a tremendous amount of saints, there's a tremendous amount of Christian heritage from the Old Testament who testify to us what finishing looks like. These are great finishers, and God gives us encouragement by looking backwards at our Christian heritage. And uh, when we have inspiration, we're able to finish well. When we're uninspired, it's this, we kind of go along with pointless. Inspiration is necessary for us to finish well and to remain focused on finishing. I, in, in my trip that I took to Ichinono, it was such a moving time for me. I mean, I was absolutely struck. Part of me was like, man, I don't really want to leave my family and, uh, you know, I'll help out my dad. But, but when I got there, I was blown away. The Lord just blew me away. I mean, it just not just leave a mark on me. It left a dent in me. It changed me. That trip changed me. Why do I say that? I mean, I, I'm a Nisei, meaning like my parents are from Japan, so I'm not too far removed from the old country. And I was like just absolutely floored. In this little village, okay, small little town, I saw people that kind of looked like me. I saw people that they thought like me. I understood the way they thought. I understood their attitudes. I understood their value system. And I got it. I was like, wow, this is my people. I got to meet cousins that were like brand new sisters to me. I mean, it was like, it was an incredible, incredible thing. And, and the, the humbling and encouraging, they knew about me somehow. 
Somehow they knew about me. I was like, wow. I mean, you talk about inspiration. I was like, wow. I better get home, get home and do my stuff that I need to get done. And, and th- this served, looking at my own family heritage gave me a tremendous amount of fire, tremendous amount of inspiration. And um, this is the same thing that the, the writer of Hebrews does for the Jewish Christians. He takes them back to their Jewish heritage, not only that, their Christian heritage in, in chapter 12 of Hebrews. Okay, in that sense, he, this is like the hall of fame of the faithful. This is like the hall of faith. I mean, you got names such as Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, David, King David, the prophet Samuel, prophet Elijah, Daniel. I mean, you have these type of men and women mentioned in chapter 11. Just for example, Moses, okay? And these are all examples of men and women who finished the race well. And this is, the, this is to encourage the Jewish Christians, and in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, it says this, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. Moses, in effect, says, I am with you, God. I'd rather have what you have to offer, God, than what Egypt has to offer. I'd rather be part of your kingdom instead of becoming the prince of Egypt, that maybe perhaps even the king of Egypt someday. I want you, God, the faith to say, you know what, I choose you. I'm going to walk away from all this. This is what Moses did. This is the type of faith that he had. This is the finisher that he was. In essence, by his actions, his faith screams out loud to us thousands of years later that Jesus or God is better than anything else this world has to offer, even the whole kingdom, that the most powerful empire at the time on the planet. In other words, all of these saints from Moses to Noah to Abraham, they're testifying, they're witnessing to us to say, finish well. This is more important than anything else. They're exemplary examples of men and women who finished strong. Verse 35 of chapter 11 talks about how there was an immense cost too. There was some immense persecution. Women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their, uh, their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, Tradition as of the prophet Isaiah was sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about, went about in sheepskin, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world has, was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. This is the type of thing that the, these men and women endured. Their faith remain steadfast because there's some hope that was coming up in the future. But this is where it's amazing. This is where the writer Hebrews really convicts the Jewish Christians. In verse 39 of chapter 11, it says, And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, 
so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. In other words, these Old Testament saints, they never had a chance to see Jesus come and die for the sins and resurrect from the grave on their side of, of, of eternity. Meaning they were willing to die and give up, forsake the world in hopes of the promise that God someday will provide. And the Jewish Hebrew uh, Christians at the time, they were looking backwards at the cross. They saw, all right, Christ came, God came in the flesh, he died for my sins and rose. They had that advantage. They're he was saying, look, remember this. These saints didn't even have this. We, 2,000 years later, we have this advantage. We know that Christ died for our sins and rose again. So this is where the writer of Hebrews is working to encourage, inspire these Jewish Christians by looking back at their Christian heritage. Same thing can be done for us. Same thing could be done for us to help us finish the race well. Now, going on back to chapter 12, the Bible says this, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This word encumbrance means anything that weighs you down, anything hinders, anything that burdens you, anything that impedes you from moving around. And when I was in Ichinono, uh, one of the very famous natural landmarks is the tallest uh, waterfall in Japan, 133 meters called uh, Nachino Taki. Taki means waterfall. It's a beautiful uh, place and it's just up the mountain. So one day I decided to run up the mountain, you know, and, and I had my backpack on because I wanted to read my Bible when I, once I got to the top. And I don't know if I, towards the middle of the run, I was kind of regretting because every time I ran, it's like, foom, 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 just pounding on my back, right? I got tired of that. So, I mean, so that kind of messed up my running form. And so I had to hold the backpack with my arms and it totally impeded me. I couldn't use my arms to run. And anyone who runs knows how critical arm movement is. I'm just running with my legs up this mountain and I was totally hindered there. Runners today will wear the bare minimum. I mean, they wear the lightest shoes, they get the best running shoes, wear some lightweight shorts, t-shirt or tank top, and that's it. You don't want to be hindered by anything. The runners in the Greco-Roman world, when, when Hebrews was written, they were stripped down naked. There weren't anything hindering them, right? And this is where the, the author of Hebrews is encouraging this, the saints, the Jewish Christians, hey, let go of the things of the world that may not be sin, outright sinful, but that may be hindering you from running this Christian race that you've been set in. Do not be weighed down and, and be distracted by loving the world too much. Notice Moses walked away from the kingdom. He didn't love the kingdom so much that he was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to obey God. I might just hang out here for a little bit longer. That weighs him down. These saints understood. They are focused, completely focused, disciplined saints to run their race well. Like I said, these encumbrances may not be outright sinful, but they are unfruitful habits or commitments. You know, what needs to go in your lives? What needs to go right now? I mean, like I said, these aren't outright sinful things, but what needs to go? I mean, are we, are we overly consumed with academics? Are we overly consumed with, with sports? Are we overly consumed with, like, uh, pursuing comforts for the future? These are all worldly things that's going to burn up someday. Is that what you want to be investing in? 
I remember moving down here from Washington, and as, as Japan is its own spirit of the age, you know, what things are important and, and, and drives people and their attitudes, the San Gabriel Valley has its own spirit of its age. What do I mean by that? When I came down, I mean, we got involved this sport, that sport. I mean, we're moving around. We had, we had, we're eating dinner. We're doing uh, family devotions late at night, trying to stay awake. I mean, I was thinking about that. What are we doing? And, I, you know, I love sports. But like, what are we doing? What am I, as a father, what am I competing for? What, am I really running the race, the right lane here? Or am I running some other race here? So, like I said, we all get involved in these things. But what needs to go? Is it some old friends that's weighing you down? Is it a boyfriend or girlfriend that you need to get rid of? These are all real things that could be there. And we just want to be running a race with as focused as possible, not hindered, and running straight towards the finish line. Bible also goes on to say there's encumbrances, but there's outright sin, which so easily entangles. Entangles, in a sense, traps, ensnares, restricts your movements, gets you tripped up. I mean, in no unclear terms, if there's sin in your life, we need to deal with it. And, and that will slow you down more than anything else, as we know. Why? The Bible says, so that we will run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with strength and endurance, finishing the race. This is the emphasis. And to stay in it and not to tap out. We're going to stay in this. We're going to jettison the unnecessary baggage. We're going to keep running this race, the Bible says. Now, this word race could also be translated like struggle, fight, or competition. Agon, or the word which we get agonize, is the original Greek word. Agonize. This is the agonizing thing. This isn't just some light jog. This is like a triathlon meet. This is like a, where you're grinding, you're feeling every fiber of your muscle burn. You're sweating, you're thirsty, you're hungry, your joints are aching. This is what we're talking about. This is the Christian life. There's absolutely nothing sedentary about the Christian life. It's a struggle. It's an outright battle. Paul uses the same word in, in when he says, I have fought the good fight. That could also be translated race. I have fought the good fight, the Bible says. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. This is one of the all-time finishers, as we know, the Apostle Paul. And he, we all have a predetermined course. All right, we don't, not, not one of us has the same exact course that God has set for us. All right? They're all different. They're all unique for us. And life is a marathon with a lot of ch different changes. Like, so when I went up this mountain, okay, just jogging, I mean, it's, up the, it's uphill, first of all. There's steps. It was raining the day before, so the, the rocks and stones and the steps are absolutely slippery. There are, then you got to get onto the, the dirt sometimes, and there's all kinds of trees and bamboos. you got to go through that stuff. And then once in a while, you got to get on the road, the pavement, and the roads in Japan are absolutely narrow. There's no sidewalks, okay? So cars are coming both ways, and, and in Japan, they drive on the wrong side of the road. So I'm trying to figure out where's traffic coming from. I keep forgetting. There's buses, there's taxis, there's all kinds of stuff coming up and down the road. And, some, and just like life, that's how it is. There's obstacles, there's ups and downs. That's what this run was like. And, but we're called to finish the course of our lives. And I, like, I touched on it lightly earlier, but sin. Okay, let's talk about this topic a little bit. Sin. Sin, if left untreated, all right, it may be dormant in you. Meaning many of us may be skilled or 
discipline in the flesh so much that we could kind of mask certain sins. All right, oh, that's not such a big deal. Oh, I may think about those things once in a while, but you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna suppress that. But mark my words. In the toughest part of the race is where the breakdowns happen. When life gets hard, this is when the sin will flare up in your life. This is the, that dormant sin will absolutely become rampant in your life if you don't treat it. You must attack that sin vigilantly. You may look to hack that sin in your life into pieces. How do you do this? How do you do this, Pastor Rocky? You deal with sin by repenting. Christ, if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you repent. That's how it works. What a glorious thing. God has paid the price. God, I agree with you. There's an issue. I want you. You're better than this. I don't want to do this. This is a struggle. This thought keeps popping up to my mind. I don't want this. I'm being tempted hard right now. Lord, I, don't, I want you. Fight this fight for me. Agonize with God in prayer over this. Repent. And if you, and if you need, find a dear brother or sister that you could confess to and that could help you keep you accountable. But Bottom line, you need to be real with God. I need to be real with God. Repent. Deal with that sin. Don't let that sin lay dormant in your bodies. We want to finish this race. We want to go. We don't want that little blister to flare up. We don't want our, our, our arthritis to pick up at that time when, it, when the race gets tough. We want to go. Fourth quarter time, we want to finish. The Christian life is like a marathon, like I said. And in anything, in, in sports or athletics or any performer could tell you, focus is the most, one of the most critical things. You have to be focused. Bible says in verse 2 here, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How about that? You want to get fired up? Read verse 2 of chapter 12 once in a while. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. People have asked, often asked me when I was coaching, they said, what's the difference, Rocky, between coaching in college versus coaching in the pros, the National Football League? One of the things that comes up right away, there are way more distractions in the NFL. Way more distractions. What do I mean by that? There's contracts. There's uh, agents to deal with. There, there's, there's advertisement stuff that you're trying to acquire. There's, there's am I going to make the team? There's more media exposure around the clock covering your sport and your team. It is so distracting. And the more you start thinking about these things, the less you focus on playing the game of football. And it's a rigorous enough game where you have to be all in. If you're half here, half there, you're completely distracted. You're not going to be as good as you can be. In the Christian life, we have to be focused. And the Bible clearly says we have to fix our eyes. Fix our eyes on Christ, it says, on Jesus. And the Bible says that he is the author. I love this here. It says author and perfecter of faith. Author could also be translate founder, pioneer, initiator, starter. He's the starter of our faith. Perfecter can be translated finisher, completer of our faith. You want to have inspiration to run your race well, to finish your race well? Look no further than Christ himself. Jesus is the great finisher. He is the greatest finisher of all. And the saints of our Christian heritage may inspire us, and there may be Christians in your life that are like, man, that, that guy or gal is so faithful. That's all good. We're, I'm always looking for constant role models too. But man, there's nothing, there's no one that compares. If you want inspiration, look to Christ. Look to Jesus. 
Why? And it says, Bible says that he endured the ultimate trial. He endured the cross. Do you remember what Jesus said on the cross? What did he say? As right before he died, he said, it is finished. That's what he said. It is finished. Father, I fulfilled your rescue plan to save our people. I'm about to die right now. I endured all this. I endured your wrath, and I'm going to die, and it is finished. And my people are with me now. This is the finisher. This is the finisher's mentality. Looking to finish with a burst, not just, oh, crawling to the finish line. We're looking to sprint to that finish line. This is what God has called us to. This is the example that Christ has set for us. He is the greatest finisher of all. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, the Bible said. What does that mean? We are looking at the supreme authority, the one with supreme honor in all of the existence. And we're looking at the right one. We're absolutely looking at the right one, the face of Christ. So when it says lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which easily entangles us, basically when we're enmeshed with the world and sin, our vision of Christ is blurred. We're looking now all over different places. We're not fixing our eyes on Christ. Jesus is the ultimate source of inspiration to finish the race. Now verse 3 right here of Hebrews chapter 12 says, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It goes, you think you have it rough? Consider what Christ went through. You want some encouragement that your trials are pretty tough? Think about what Christ went through. You want some inspiration? You want some encouragement? Think of Christ, what he went through. The Jews were going through a lot. The Jews certainly were going through it. They lost their, maybe a lot of their Jewish heritage. They lost their uh, connection to their people. They lost probably friends and family. No question. No question. But um, let me read something out of Acts here. I'll read it for us. Acts chapter uh, 322, okay? It says this. This is Peter. Peter preaches a sermon to his Jewish brethren. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised them up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Jesus defeated sin, but he was, he was attacked mercilessly by godless men, the Bible says. He was murdered on the cross. He took on God's holy wrath so that you and I could be part of his family. So what trials are you going under right now? We, none of us will make light of these things. We understand trials are real. Trials are hard. Is it a health trial that you're going through right now? You have issues at work? Are you, has someone who you trusted betrayed you? That happened to Christ. We know this. Have you experiencing some sort of death in the family? These are hard things. These are hard things. But the Bible says to consider Christ. What did he, Christ go through to be encouraged? Christ willingly went through this. this. Christ was not forced to go through this. Christ willingly allowed these godless men to do this to him. 
My concern as a pastor is this. What are you doing with this discipline in your life? Where is your heart being drawn to right now? The trials that you're going through, is it draw, are your eyes of your heart going to yourself? Or Christ, are you looking to Christ? And this is the goal of training. This is the goal of the discipline of God, to draw our eyes to Christ. John Piper has said something, something such like this. John Piper's a pastor, preacher. Talks about don't waste your cancer, right? Don't waste your prison, life prison sentence. Don't waste your trial that you're going through because these trials are meant to get our eyes fixed on Christ even more. Now I want to give a word of encouragement here. Okay, I'm, I just felt led to talk about this. It's always finish time. It doesn't matter if you're in high school. It doesn't matter if you're just in junior high. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s in college or just right out of college. You don't have to be 70 years old in retirement mode or 80 years old in retirement mode thinking, I got to finish. I just went yesterday. I had a very difficult day yesterday. Um, I never thought I'd be part of something like this as a pastor. I always thought I'd be doing like my players' weddings. I went to... a, a probably my favorite player to ever coached at the University of Southern California. I conducted his funeral, 31 years old, yesterday. It, it was very difficult on a personal level. I mean, he's a friend. 31 years old. That mentality that we have to finish isn't, oh, I'll get there someday when I have my kids, or, or even after that, so things keep, oh, I'll get there when I get retired. I'll get there when my kids move out of the house. Forget that. Finish time's now. Tomorrow's guaranteed to nobody. That's that mind that we need to have, that every day there's urgency to finish, to run that race. And God gives us inspiration in Hebrews to finish the race well. He gives us two sources of inspiration, the Old Testament saints, our Christian heritage, and then none other than Christ himself. Look to Christ if you want inspiration. The author and perfecter of our faith, the greatest finisher of all. I just want to um, kind of wrap up here. Pastor Dan Christian did a marvelous job of putting our all-church study together uh, start off the preaching series by, uh, by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I'm going to read that for us. Look at what it says. But we, all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one glory to another, just as from the Lord the Spirit. In other words, we are looking into a mirror. We're looking into the face of Christ and being transformed from one level of sanctification to another. We're becoming more like Christ the more we stare and gaze at Christ. That's our goal. Hebrews 12, 2, right? What does it say? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's this whole series started with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. This is where we're at. And in our lives, when we become Christians, it starts with Jesus. And as we walk through this life until we walk into the other side of eternity, we finish through the line, we're still looking at Christ. And in eternity, we're still going to be looking at Christ and be amazed even more. 
In other words, when the Bible says in Hebrews 12 to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which easily entangles, you know what this is talking about? Summed up in one word. This is our goal. This is our goal as Christians. It's called sanctification. That is your goal in life. That's my goal in life, to become more like Christ in no unclear terms. When you jettison things that don't matter, when you, when you repent of sin and get rid of sin that, that, that doesn't matter, you become more like Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You're on the mission of Christ. You're running the race with Christ. And not slow either, my brothers and sisters. You're sprinting. You're growing. You're feeling it. You're feeling the wind beneath, behind your back, and you're going, whether it's uphill, downhill, on the road, on the asphalt, on steps, slippery ground, uh, secure ground. It doesn't matter. Dodging through trees, you're just rolling, the, running the race that Christ has given you. Predetermined course, and you're looking to finish. So as we finish up this series and finish up this sermon, my hope is that everyone in here Who's in Christ? This, is, this message is for Christians only. If you're not in Christ, this, this uh, uh, encouragement doesn't apply to you. If you're in Christ, this totally applies to you because you have Christ. If you're not in Christ, when I will urge you, today is the day of salvation. Give your life to Christ. What else matters? Last thing I just wanted to burn in our hearts is this. It starts with Jesus, and it will finish with Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your gracious examples that you placed in Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you how gracious you are to encourage us through these saints. Thank you that you love us so much that you will discipline us. You allow training and trials to come into our place so that we could finish the race really well with endurance and perseverance. But most of all, thank you that you have given us Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, the starter and finisher of our faith, the certain hope that lies in us so that we could stare at him and be focused at him. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will love him more and that we will be transformed from one level of glory to the next. So, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room who are in Christ, that we will love you more and become more like you. Father, I pray for those in here who do not know you as Lord and Savior yet, that they will be pricked to the heart right now by the Spirit of God, and they will turn their hearts to you, and they will cry out to you, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want to be with you. I want to stare at you as my friend. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.